Welcome to a Sunny Side Up Life podcast, a show for the woman who is ready to live an abundant life full of freedom and positivity. I'm your host, Sammy Womack, a nationally recognized money expert, budgeting coach, and your very own hype squad. I'm on a mission to help you break free from survival mode, gain financial freedom, stay motivated, and focus on what matters most. Join the movement and let's start living on the brighter side of life together. Today's episode is brought to you by Not Another Personal Finance Podcast. Not Another Personal Finance Podcast is a personal finance podcast, but like you've never heard before. Finance content creators, podcasters, business owners, and my friends, V Weir and Haley Brown Woods discuss money management, debt payoff, savings, investing, and overall personal finance topics in a no bullshit way. They leave censorship up to other podcasters and wear direct messaging, dry humor, and foul language as badges of honor. If you're ready to start your trek to financial freedom and need some friends along the way, this podcast is for you. Check out their new season today wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone and welcome back to another great interview. Today I'm joined by Andy Hill who is an award-winning family finance coach behind Marriage, Kids, and Money a platform dedicated to helping young families build wealth and happiness. Andy's advice and personal finance experience has been featured in major media outlets like CNBC, Forbes, MarketWatch, Kiplinger's Personal Finance, and NBC News. With millions of podcast downloads and video views, Andy's message of family finance empowerment has resonated with listeners, readers, and viewers across the world. When he's not talking money, Andy enjoys watching his kids play soccer, singing karaoke with his wife, and watching Marvel movies. I personally love Andy's family-focused content, and he's one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram, and I am so excited to welcome him to the podcast. Welcome, Andy. I am so excited to be talking to you today. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Sammy. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, yes. It was so great to be on your podcast, and so I wanted to kind of flip the script and interview you a little bit. Um, so like I said in the bio, you're one of my favorite people to follow on social media. I love the kind of fatherhood aspect from like the dad and the husband's perspective. I feel like we don't see that enough. And so I really enjoy following you, but give us a little bit of a background of who you are and what you do. Sure. And, and thank you very much for the kind kind words, Sammy. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, I am Andy Hill. I host a platform called Marriage, Kids, and Money. It's focused on helping young families build wealth and happiness. Um, I started all that around oh, five, six years ago when I was working in a job that I really didn't like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to find my way, you know, I guess I wanted to help people, but I also wanted to help find myself a little bit as well as a, as a young dad. I think I had maybe a two-year-old and a four-year-old at that time. And then I was working this job that it was very stressful. So my whole life was lots of job and then lots of dad. And I was like, okay, I need something to kind of shake things up a little bit. And, and, you know, figure out a way that I can help as well as learn about how to, you know, build wealth and happiness. So I started that platform and you know, five, six years later, I'm doing it full time now. So I life's good. It. And uh, I love giving back and connecting with families that are trying to do the same thing. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. And all of my clients are women. Good chunk of them are moms or young women who are hoping to one day start a family that are like trying to, you know, jump into it before they have kids, which I think a lot of us wish that we would have done (laughs) because I also started 
once we had our second kid and I was like, oh, maybe it's time to grow up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So I I just, I love hearing from different people's perspective. Like I said, specifically from the husband and the dad's perspective. So I'd like to know a little bit more about what inspired you to pursue the fire movement? Maybe explain a little bit of what the fire movement is for those who aren't familiar. Yeah, yeah, I I did catch the fire for sure, I, yeah. and it, and it was at a moment again, as I as I mentioned, just me just being generally sat, dissatisfied with the direction of my career, and you know, no no shade on my employer or any of the employers I had. Really, it was it was fine. They're they're fine places to work. I just lost my zest for wanting to. I don't know, sell things that I really wasn't passionate yeah. about anymore. And so I, I sort of came across the idea of financial independence and fire around that time. And it was one of those things that I was just like, oh, well, I need more of that in my life. I need, I need to understand how this could all work. I don't have to do this for another 30 years. I don't have to do this for another 40 years and, you know, uh, just not have that passion. Uh, so yeah, I kind of fell into it out of uh, personal necessity and just and and my general interest in finances and and before that time I had, you know, worked with my wife to pay off our debt and we were working to pay off our mortgage because we wanted some of that freedom from you know feeling like our home owned us. So we were already on a path of of financial craziness. Uh, and then so when I when I discovered this fire movement, I'm like, oh well, I I, I could definitely get yeah. down on that. Uh, so that, that's that's what kind of led us to the fire movement did you kind of ever have this moment where you're like yeah but like regular people don't get to do that like you have to like win the lottery or inherit some money or something to not work when you're like over the age of 50 or to cash flow vehicles we just thought regular people don't do that (laughs) did you guys ever have those kind of moments Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of those, uh, you know, well, that's not what everybody else is doing. So why would we do that? And maybe that was part of it. I mean, there was, there's a lot of uh, people in our country that are, they're in a tough situation right now. And that that's either based on just their general income that they can bring in or just maybe lifestyle choices that, that have been a part of their family history forever. And it's like, well, this is what mom and dad did. So I'm just going to do that. And I've definitely done a lot of that too. Um, So yeah, I mean, it was definitely, I think it's a part psychological thing that maybe we need to delve in a little further and really analyze our goals and say, what do we want out of our lives? Mm -hmm. And I know we did that as a family, as opposed to what is everybody else doing? What do we want from our lives? Do we want more time with our family? Do we want to not worry about money so much? Do we want to be able to pursue our passions and our careers that maybe make us a little happier than what we're doing right now? And those sort of became driving forces for us. Uh, though, so uh, there's definitely a lot of emotions and psychology into it. You got to kind of geek yourself up for something wild and crazy, like, you <laughs> yes. know, maybe eventually leaving your corporate nine to five or paying off your mortgage or, you know, investing for the long term to create some freedom for yourself. Because in the beginning, there's lots of steps that'll take you to get there and they're really slow. Yeah. There's no, there's no <laughs> like quick fix for all this stuff. It is a a mission that you go on for a long period of time. So in order to hype yourself up, you have to work on those dreams. You have to think about it. Like, where do I want to be five, 10, 15 years from now? That's going to get me excited to want to do the, I liken it to brushing and flossing every day. It's kind of boring. <laughs> Some of this stuff's really boring. It is but boring. over time, your teeth are going to look real shiny. You know what I mean? <laughs> I love that analogy. That's perfect. Yeah. So walk us through a little bit of like, 
how were you on board? Was your wife on board? How, I mean, the kids were pretty young, but how did kind of it go with like getting the whole family on board? Cause a lot of times it's like that one partner that kind of like lights the flame and then everybody else you're like, come on guys, get excited with me. How did that go for you guys? Yeah, I would say, well, around the time that I kind of got caught onto this fire movement or kind of the financial independence side of things, my wife was definitely not on board. <laughs> she yeah, she yeah. was like, that sounds insane, bro. Because yeah. some of the stuff that I was drawn to were the conversations where it was an individual or a couple that had decided, hey, I'm done with this. I'm going to live on $20,000 a year or $30,000 a year and go you know, off the grid. And I, I, at the time for me, I'm like, that sounds like freedom. I'm interested. Yeah. So I would bring these stories to my wife and she'd like, she'd say, that sounds insane. I don't want to sell our house and move into a camper, or I don't want to, you know, go live off the grid. I want to, I want to be in our community. I love where we live and our kids are here. We've got great schools. So you got to find something else, pal. You got to find something else in the middle. And yeah. over time, I kind of realized, well, I don't also want, don't want to live in, you know, in an RV or whatever and travel around the country. I want to be able to be with my family here in this community that we have. So we sort of developed our own version of family financial independence as opposed to, hey, I got to hurry up and save a million dollars so I can live on, you know, $20,000 a year or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so we, we've sort of crafted our own version over the years and it's, and it's part and parcel to my wife's desire to continue to live, uh, enjoy today. And my desire to have some sort of general freedom from a career that I wasn't that interested in. And it's become this sort of hybrid model that I love because yeah. I love my wife and I love everything that she brings to our conversation. And I also love my crazy passion towards doing big goals. Uh, so we've, we've found our own version of family financial independence. And maybe it's not this traditional fire path where you're like, I don't have to work at all. It's yeah. like, no, I want to work doing something that makes me happy. And my wife wants to do the same thing. Maybe we're not working full time at jobs we hate, but maybe we're working part time at jobs that pay us less. But hey, we've got enough money saved up in retirement and we don't have a mortgage anymore that it makes it possible. So it's sort of this little middle ground that we like to live here uh, in, in our house. And it's gone love pretty that. well so far. I love that. Yeah, that sounds very similar to me and my husband. I was definitely the crazy one that was like, let's sell everything and let's do, you know, <laughs> um, except for the fact that he was the one in the job that and he still is in a job that he, you know, he'd like to retire as soon as possible. It's not yeah. awful, but you know, he works offshore. So he's gone, you know, half of the time he misses the lot. And I'm like, yeah, but if we do this kind of crazy plan, you could retire sooner. And he was like, Hmm, that does sound nice, <laughs> but he still is constantly like, yeah, but I kind of want to spend money right now too. And sure. so we've kind of come up with like this hybrid plan. And I think that is you know, what I tell my clients all the time is like, sit down, you're, you're talk it out, dream it out together, write it down. The whole point is not to hate your life in the process. The whole point is not to like ruin your marriage over it. The whole point is to improve your life and make your marriage better as a, as a by factor. Right. And Absolutely. so collaborate, come up with a little hybrid model of what will work and and go for it. And then it's even more exciting because if you can come up with something you're both on board with, then you kind of come at it as a team. <laughs> and I don't know about you guys, but like 
we kind of feel like now, because they're whatever the statistic is about marriages that their biggest problem is money. Right. And we're like, come at us, bro. Like we have overcome <laughs> one of the hardest things. You are not getting inside this marriage. You're not breaking this down. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah, no. And, and I think it's important for us to look at those extremes, like call it a fire extreme example, or the opposite of like the YOLO, like I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend it all even more. I'm going to spend 10% or 20% more than I even have coming in and going to major yeah. credit card debt. I think it's good for us to see those examples and then decide, okay, what is our version in the middle? And it sounds like that's what you guys are doing for yeah. sure. But yeah, there were times when I was pressing a lot harder than I needed to be. Uh, and that really affected our marriage so yeah. much so that Nicole and I would have some of these explosive volcano fights where I'm like, you're not, you're, you're, you're forcing me to be in this career forever. And, yeah. I hate it. and, <laughs> and she's like, no, I'm not. I just want to be able to live. I want to be able to live my life. And, you know, it was just one of those things where we couldn't see eye to eye. And I also think it was partially, you know, the fact that I was uh, limited on time, but also limited on time at home because we had some young kids that yeah. really didn't let us talk much. And so yeah. <laughs> it was it was forced upon us to actually physically get out of the house to be able to talk to each other. And that came in, in, in part through marriage counseling. We went and yeah. we met with a marriage counselor to help us have some real conversations for a dedicated time for an hour to say, what's really going on here? And is this really all that bad? And after about six, nine months of us going there, probably once a month, that really helped us to have some deep conversations. And we really came came through it learning a lot more about our backgrounds. You know, yeah. I learned a lot more about my wife and where she came from and what, what, what money in general really means to her as a person and how, how, um, you know, continuing to strive in life and having a little bit better means something important to her. And I, I, I get that more now. And for me, she learned a lot about my motivations and, and where, you know, finding a balance of joy was important to me. So through those deep conversations, and it maybe doesn't need to be through marriage counseling, but it definitely yeah. helped for us when it was dedicated time. That really helped us to find that hybrid middle of what's important for both of us so we could move forward together as a couple. That is such an important conversation. And I, I hear that so much with my clients. I'm just like, okay, but you're all, you both kind of like bring your baggage and your trauma and your childhood and all your things into it. And then you kind of collide them. And then a lot of times, you know, a lot of people are starting this journey a few years into their marriage. And so then they have their, their combined years together baggage. <laughs> and it's a lot, it's a lot. And I think it's something so important and you can't just brush it off and, oh, we'll figure it. No, it's, it's yeah. all tied together, marriage, money, all of it. You know, you, you know, it. absolutely. I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely. Definitely. Um, so I kind of skipped over this question, so I'm going to go back to it, but what were um, some of your first inspirations in the finance and, and fire space and how, mm. how long ago, what this was, this has been a while. So yeah. it wasn't like exactly what it is today. Right. So who were, who were you looking up to back then? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I've been geeking out on some personal finance stuff for a while. Uh, yeah. You know, early on, it was like Robert Kiyosaki with the rental property stuff. Yeah. I, you know, we were going to become a, a family of rental property. Oh, we, you know, we're going to own all the houses and make so much money. We, we tried that for a little bit and that kind of fizzled out from that. I got into Dave Ramsey. I got into Susie Orman. We paid off all of our debt and that was a big thing. And then it's sort of after that, I kind of fell off of Dave for a little while. And then, yeah, around... I think maybe 2015, 2016, I started listening to a podcast. I had eye surgery. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of funny. I had a LASIK or, or a LASIK eye surgery and I couldn't do anything for a couple of days. I'm like, well, well maybe I'll start listening to podcasts. So yeah. I got into uh, Scott Allen Turner. He had a podcast called Financial Rockstar. He was all about this fire movement and financial independence lifestyle. And I learned a lot about it from him and I just kind of got geeked on it. I got geeked on podcasts and I got geeked on, on, on the fire from there. So yeah. those are some of my, I guess, influences over time. And man, since then, oh, wow, I've, I've, I've come across so many great people uh, uh, that uh, have been on Instagram, like we're both on Instagram yeah. as well, but just great podcasters, great authors that I've had a chance to, to interview and, and learn a lot from. So it's, it's been great. I want to pause real quick to tell you about my favorite goal setting resource, the PowerSheets Goal Planner. This research-backed goal planner helps you build a life you love one day at a time. It's basically like a life coach in a journal. The PowerSheets help you set, plan, and track progress towards the goals that matter most to you, big or small. Through a proven guided system, you'll gain clarity and confidence to live on purpose. No matter your season of life, you'll be able to identify meaningful goals, outline steps to reach them, and plan time to work towards what matters. I'm personally obsessed with the power sheets. 2023 will be my sixth year using them, and I know that you'll love them too. If you're interested in getting a set for yourself for the new year, grab them ASAP because they will sell out. Make sure you set aside $62 plus shipping in your fun money budget for them. And remember that by using my affiliate link in the show notes, you'll be helping to support the podcast. All right, now let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I, I love I love a good podcast, obviously, but I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, for me, it was like I was a I was a stay at home mom to really young kids at the time when we first started. And I was like, I need an adult conversation. <laughs> and it yes. was like, I mean, it's a one way conversation. But I was like, I need an adult voice. So that was like, and then I just got very into it. And I was like, these people kind of know what they're talking about. And, and then my husband was like, Oh, man, here she goes on this. <laughs> <laughs> She's all excited. And yeah, the rest is history, but I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. So I know one of your biggest things is that you guys paid off the mortgage. Mm -hmm. So, and I know there's, there's always this big debate is like, is paying off the mortgage smart with the numbers right. and, you know, and, and I think kind of, you know, Dave Ramsey's a big, a, a big advocate of like pay off your mortgage, but some people argue, well, way back in his day when he wrote his baby steps, interest rates were way higher. So it kind of made more sense back then. And a lot of people have lower interest rates. What is your kind of, what is your thought process behind that? Do you think it's smart for everyone to hustle and pay off their mortgage or what do you say? Yeah, I would say that uh, paying off your mortgage uh, today, you know, in today's numbers uh, mm -hmm. probably doesn't have the same financial win as maybe investing more in the stock market over the long term. So if you're looking at it from a pure financial, you know, win, uh, I would say, yeah, investing most all, or all of your money uh, in the stock market would be a great thing to do. There's a lot of emotional 
and psychological yes. benefits to paying off your mortgage that I like to speak to. And when we talk about personal finance, it doesn't always have to be about the most financially optimal thing to do because yes. otherwise, uh, why would we leave the house, uh, you know, uh, buy our favorite bag of chips or watch? Our, you know, it's like we would do nothing. We would sit on the couch and say, this is the most financially optimal thing for me to do <laughs> is sitting still, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so for example, uh, psych psychological and emotional benefits of paying off your mortgage pay off your mortgage. And if you had a desire to stay at home with your kids and leave a soul sucking job uh, to be a stay at home mom or stay at home dad, you have an option now because you do not have to pay however much your mortgage was, your, your principal and interest a, anymore. A big chunk usually. So, yeah. And that's what my wife and I did. She decided to go uh, from a, a full-time worker to a full-time stay at home mom. And at that point in her life, she really liked that idea because she did not dig her job at all. So paying off the mortgage for us allowed for that to happen. Now, four or five years later, after being a stay-at-home mom, she was like, get me back to the office. I want to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we like to have these different breaks in our lives. So the ability for you to make some decisions with regard to your career, uh, eventually the ability for us to continue to be mortgage-free and grow our wealth in other fashions allowed me to leave my corporate nine-to-five uh, about two years ago and go to be a full-time podcaster uh, and do that. So I think a lot of lifestyle changes, you know, there's other things. Uh, if you want to talk math that you can do when you pay off your mortgage is it allows you to make it easier to stay for retirement. If you don't have to, you're, you're essentially what we're doing when we're saving for retirement is trying to cover our lifestyle expenses. And when you get to your 60s, your lifestyle expenses are a lot lower without a mortgage, right? So yeah. we're always talking about trying to invest and build our wealth and get to that point. And a lot of these goals can seem very far off. But if we are constantly looking at our expenses to say, okay, what could I eliminate so that I don't need to have the money needs in retirement? That could be one of them. So there's lots of really great reasons to pay off your mortgage. I would say the majority of them are emotional and you know, psychological. But I'll tell you, when you pay off your mortgage, man, does it feel good. It feels yeah. so good. I always had this, uh, this uh, you know, sort of weight on my shoulders for years having our mortgage. It felt like, okay, I need to keep this job that I don't like so that I can pay off this or so that I can pay this mortgage and afford this home that, that <laughs> is a lot of work and a lot to pay. So I didn't want to feel like my home was a burden. I wanted it to feel like a place of sanctuary, a place that I wanted to go to as opposed to something that made me feel like I needed to keep working at a job I didn't like. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's yeah. one of those things that it's, uh, I didn't want it to feel like a burden. And, and yeah. my first home ownership experience, it felt like that. I bought a home that I couldn't afford. <laughs> and, and it was uh, quickly one of those things where it's like, wow, I thought this was the thing that I was supposed to do in my 20s. I bought a home and okay, now I literally have 50% of my income going towards paying my mortgage, my bills, fixing things at the house. And it was one of those times where you could get a, you could get a mortgage uh, when you probably shouldn't have gotten one at yeah. 22 years old. And so I, I, I transferred from my first homeownership experience fe feeling very claustrophobic 
and I felt underwater in the house and literally was, you know, when, when the mortgage, uh, when the Great Recession happened in 2008, I, my, my home was valued at $100,000, but I still owed $200,000 oh, on man. it. Oh, man. It was just one of those things I didn't <laughs> want to do again. So if, with my second turn, time around for my, uh, my homeownership experience, when my wife said, hey, I found the dream house, here it is. I'm like, okay, let's do it, but let's pay this thing off in like five years. I don't want to feel yeah. owned by this home. I want, I want to own my home. And yeah. that's, that's a big part of the reason we paid it off. I love that so much. And that's something that I repeat over and over again to my clients. And, and it can go even to like your consumer debt, your cars, like any kind of debt, any kind of investing, any kind of savings. It's like, well, let's figure out what works for you. Let's figure out like what gets you guys excited and what helps you sleep at night and, and also the math. And it's yes. not just the math and I mean, we can do the math, sure. And some people are super motivated by that. And I'm personally like, okay, what's going to help me sleep at night? What's going to like make my day to day a little less stressful? And absolutely, yeah. And I think I think uh, as uh, personal finance nerds, we can get kind of geeked about the numbers, and, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, but we got to realize that there are other things in life. There's like a lot and happiness and sleeping well. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm not against <laughs> investing at all. I I love investing. We've been investing for a long time, uh, so much so that uh, you know we've got a half a million dollar paid for house and a half a million dollar investment account. So I think it's a great uh, medium, you know, of doing yeah. both and taking advantage of both. So you get the the wealth and the happiness in my, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So do you think that this is kind of like, can other people do this in today's kind of current market and, you know, housing prices are crazy and rent prices are crazy too. So it's like either yeah. way you go, you have to have some place to live, but it's expensive. Do you think that other people could could do this in today's market? Well, I think what's important to share about our story is that we had a, a very uh, good income during that period of time yeah. when we were paying off the mortgage. I had about uh, between between Nicole and I during this sort of mortgage payoff, you know, fire period of our lives, we were, our household income was around $180,000. So that's good to put in perspective when you hear yeah. these big numbers of paying off a half million dollar house and having a half million dollars invested. Uh, that's not, that's not everybody. Not everybody right. has that type of income. And now I get, I get a good perspective of that. Yes, because I've made this transition away from my corporate career, but there's also an income hit to that. So I'm making around $60,000 a year and my wife is back at school. So we are, we are making an average income for the United States. If I were to try to do a lot of these things all over again of building my investment accounts and paying off my mortgage, I'd be making some probably different decisions because I don't have as much of a surplus right now. We went from saving about 50% of our income because we were doing some of these wild things to saving about 10% of our income yeah. now. But <laughs> Or on the other end of it, we've got a lot of these goals taken care of. We want to focus more on our happiness and our joy and our and our time with our kids uh, at this point in our lives in our 40s. And so we we hustled a lot in our 30s yeah. to get there. Uh, that helped it. So I would say, you know, if if you're a, a, a typical person making whatever sixty to eighty thousand dollars a year as a couple, you know, I would focus on the important things, especially if we're talking about heading into a recession or if we're in a recession or whatever it is, yeah. shoring up that emergency fund to make sure you have enough cash. Paying off your mortgage is fantastic, but you don't want to, you don't want to lock up all your cash in your house if you don't have an emergency fund or you're still paying high interest debt or you haven't invested for your future retirement. These are all really important things to do first. And yeah. so, 
if I were looking at this from a, you know, a perspective of, hey, what do I do first? Making sure you got money in the bank, especially if there's some dark clouds coming our way, is a great thing to do. Three to six months of emergency fund, you know, paying off that high interest credit card debt, getting rid of that, you know, and then investing for your future. And honestly, I think uh, hitting this coast fire status of, uh, you know, developing enough in your retirement that you can let it coast and have that pension waiting for you, essentially, yeah. in your retirement is probably smarter to do than paying off your mortgage early, in my opinion. You want to make sure that that is taken care of so retirement is taken care of and your your money's not locked up in your home first. So that's that. that's my thoughts today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that so much. So let's let's go into kind of the coast fire a little bit more. Yeah. What what technically you kind of went into it, but what kind of technically classifies coast fire versus regular fire? Like sure, you throw in sure. all these terms at people, like explain yeah. it a little bit more for us. So yeah, if we could go back to the the first part of the story, when I heard about fire, I'm like, okay, the traditional version of fire is you save so much in a a taxable brokerage account that you can withdraw 4% comfortably from that balance and just live on that. So let's yeah. say it's a million dollars saved in a taxable brokerage. You could, you could pull out 4% with the safe withdrawal rule. Obviously these are, you know, back of the napkin ideas. You got to do yeah. what's best for your situation, but that's the general idea. I quickly realized <laughs> I'm not going to save a million dollars in yeah. a taxable brokerage account in my thirties, forties, or fifties. Yeah. What, what's, what is a hybrid? What's kind of something in the middle? Well, this idea of coast fire, which I heard about in our community too, is the idea of of building up enough in your traditional retirement accounts. These are things like your 401k, 403b, your Roth IRA, IRA, where, where you can look into something like a compound interest calculator and say, where is this going to go over the next 20 years, 30 years? And will it take care of me in my 60s, 70s, and 80s mm -hmm. uh, for retirement? And so, yeah, it's essentially the concept of you build up enough in your traditional retirement accounts that you have the choice to stop contributing or severely slow down your contributions and still achieve your retirement goals. So that's why they call it coast fire. Yes. So you're, you're building up enough in your retirements where you can coast in your, call it your 30s, 40s, 50s, that you'll still have the money you need in your 60s yes. and 70s. So things like that can help you relax a little bit. Like things like mortgage freedom and coast fire will say, okay, I don't need to hustle as hard to pay, to pay off this mortgage. I don't need to hustle as hard to, to throw more money in my retirement account because I've checked these boxes that helped me to say, okay, what do I want to use my money for now in my 30s, 40s, and 50s that will help, allow me to have a little bit more relaxation and joy? That's why I really like the concept of Coast Fire. So between, in our family, those were two milestones that we hit that made us relax a little bit more. We paid off the mortgage and we uh, saved enough in our retirement accounts, essentially 500,000 by 40 years old, that's going to grow with inflation adjusted to about $2 million by the time we are in our 60s. Yeah. And so that's enough for us. We live on about seventy dollars to $80,000 a year right now. And, you know, you look at a safe withdrawal rate of that, especially with, with inflation included there, we're going to be just fine. So yeah. concepts like that, you know, we still contribute a little bit to our retirement, but honestly, we have the choice to completely stop if we wanted to. And that, those, those concepts like that, like Coast Fire, help us to completely relax. I love that. Yeah, that's that's the path we're we're on. We're working towards that. And my husband's goal is to retire at fifty. Um, nice. He's almost thirty-seven. So you know, we're like, 
okay. Like every year it gets a little closer and closer and we're like, okay. You know, and every once in a while he's like, can you, can you do that math again? Like, how are we, how are we doing? You know, <laughs> and, right. and it, you know, it kind of fluctuates and we're, we're like mm, about 200, 400, somewhere in there short per month to hit that goal. We're very, very close yep. to like being, mm-hmm. I kind of, I'm like, eh, that's close enough on track. We're pretty much yeah. on track. Like we'll get there. <laughs> And we'll pick up some slack when we get some some kids off the payroll and what you <laughs> That's know. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that that will help a lot one of these days. I don't want to rush that away, but you know, so it's it's nice to like see people like you guys that are like, okay, I know there's regular people who are doing yeah. this, and we can do it, and yeah, it's it's really awesome. So yeah, and it's not and it's not like we have to stop making money too, yeah. or we still need to make money. We're not in retirement or anything really. Like I have a small business that I am looking to grow and continue to grow, and my wife has gone back to school to pursue. Uh, a job as an esthetician. She wants to do something with her hands. She wants to help people. She doesn't want to be, you know, working at a, a company anymore. And she wants to just kind of yeah. do something like that. So it's just giving us the freedom to make some bold moves that we yeah. wouldn't make uh, before. So, yeah. 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 I, we're, we're very excited about it. And he's like, if I could, if I could quit tomorrow, that would be great. If your business could hurry up and grow a little bit to pick up some of the slack, <laughs> that would be great. So we're, we're on that track for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's switch gears kind of, um, a little bit about the kids. I know you talk a good bit about that side too. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're teaching your kids about money and advice for any parent listening. Yeah. Uh, since I think Zoe was maybe four years old. So my daughter, my daughter's 10 and my son is eight just for reference for everybody. But since she was a young girl, we've, talked about the importance of contribution around the house uh, to not only get a reward for your contribution, uh, but also it's just something that we do as a family. We all, we all pitch in, we all contribute. And so with that, we wanted to start essentially putting money in her hands and letting her make decisions or even mistakes with it. And we feel like that is probably the best way for kids to learn about money is to physically give them some and then let them make some mistakes with it and let them learn from those mistakes. And so what we've done for, yeah, probably five or six years now uh, with Zoe and now Calvin as well is uh, doing essentially a chore and reward program. So they do some chores around the house and they get a certain amount of money. Essentially we give them a dollar for every year they've lived. So Zoe gets 10 bucks a week. And with that, some of it goes to save, some of it goes to an investment account, and some of it goes to giving. And then the majority of it goes to spending and enjoying things like Roblox. Yeah, uh, same, yeah. uh, You know know the stuff. Um, So, but essentially what we want to do is give them more chances to use money, play with money, and make mistakes now when they are 10 as opposed to when they are 40. You know, yeah. it's it's better to make a mistake with 10 bucks now as opposed to whatever, 10,000 bucks 10, 000, when, they're, yeah. when, when they're 40, you know? <laughs> um, and so they've had a lot of learning lessons, which is great. And that's really, I feel like the best thing. And if you think about anything in life, how do you get better at it? By doing it, right? So yep. I think that's what we want to do with our kids. And they've, they've learned a lot so far. So... Um, we're, we're having a lot of fun and, and they have their own debit cards. They get to go to the store with them. They get to use them. They get to make mistakes, which is great. I'm all about mistakes. I mean, we don't want to make gigantic mistakes, but these are all learning lessons, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like teaching them how to cook and you're like, well, let's let them, let's let them figure it out now. Right. Let's let them make a mess now while I can right. still kind of help them clean it up. And you know, let them make a mess, but not burn their face. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, what's yeah. that middle ground of like, yeah. I don't want them to burn themselves from the fire, but I also want them. To, okay. They, they, they spilled a little bit of stuff. That, yes. So that's the, that's the it. kind of version we're going with money yeah. as well. I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we send a lot. We, we support Roblox over here as well. I'm pretty sure go. that we're keeping them in business between the three of, of my kids kids and that's yeah that's where all the money goes yeah for sure for sure so what about people who are like yeah it'd be really great to like leave my kids some money but it's a little late in the game like that's probably not gonna happen what is the next most important thing that you could pass down to your kids if you can't leave them a big inheritance or or even pay for their college yeah what what else could you do for them I would say even more so, I mean, it'd be great to leave them some money or help them get to college, right? I think it's even more important to leave them a legacy of knowledge or leave them a legacy of, of, of your idea of what it takes to live a fulfilling life. And that's personal for everybody. That's, that's not one person's view of what a great life is. That's what your family values are. That's what your determination is for life. I think that's more important than leaving, leaving them even one dime. Yeah. We, we actually have a desire in our family to not have much of an inheritance at all for our kids when they get older. We feel like that inheritance will be left through knowledge and support throughout their lives. And if we are going to give them any money, we're going to be giving it to them while they're alive. I think that's the most important thing for us. If we can help them get through college, if we can help give them gifts as they are adults later on and we have the, uh, the ability to do so, that's great. But we don't want them to be expecting a big pile of yeah. anything when they leave, uh, when we leave uh, this, this world, mm-hmm. um, because we want to experience that joy with them while they're here or while we're here. Uh, and, and I think that if we, if we've done our job as parents by that time, they're already set and they're doing yeah. just fine. They've got the knowledge, they've got the skills. Maybe they don't have, you know, oodles of dollars, but they're going to figure out how to get that, you know? And I think that's more important than, than anything. So if you don't have a ton of money to hit all of these goals we're talking about and to leave your kids an inheritance, don't worry. Just give them the knowledge and the experience of you as a parent and your time and helping them to to grow. So we can all do what we want to do as parents and just leave our kids a better life than we had, right? Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. That's so important. Yeah. So last question, I ask everyone this question to kind of wrap up and encourage people to kind of break free from the hustle culture that I know we hear a lot in the personal finance community. So share with us something that you love to do or you and your family love to do that doesn't necessarily bring you a profit, but that you do just, just for joy. Oh man. Uh, (laughs) I like singing karaoke with my wife. I don't make any money from that. And we have a great time. We'll get a, we'll get a little uh, bottle of wine and we'll go, we'll have some fun. (laughs) We will, uh, we're both uh, pretty competitive people. So there's a point in time where we both want to sing. And so we swap each song back and forth. And then if the other one isn't paying attention, sometimes we just sort of steal the mic and just try to sing a second song. And the other person's like, no, 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 no. It's my turn. And so I love, yeah, I love goofing around and and singing karaoke with my wife and having fun. And as far as family, we love to do Friday night movie night here at the family house. You know, we like to, we swap every other week. So we've got four people in our family. We call it the Cannes Movie Festival because Calvin, Andy, Nicole, Zoe, 
we go in that order of who gets Love to choose it. the movie. They get to choose the food. They get to choose the candy. And it's just a fun way to celebrate Friday. It's a fun way to celebrate the end of the week. And it's honestly one of my favorite days of the I week. I love it. So that's that's... Just, I don't make any money from that. We spend a lot of money doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Tell some people where they can keep up with you, what resources you offer, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. If you are listening to this great podcast, you can check out my podcast, which is Marriage, Kids, and Money. You can just type that into your favorite podcast player. I also do a show with my wife called Bread and Wine. We do that probably every other Friday yeah. uh, where we have a glass of wine and we talk about what's going on in our lives. And if you're interested in learning more about how we paid off our mortgage and that's something that you're interested in, you can go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. And I share the 10 steps we took to pay off our mortgage in less than five years. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was really great to talk to you. Thank you, Sammy. I appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out for another episode of a Sunny Side Up Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a review. Five-star reviews are what help the podcast grow. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for links to everything that we talked about today, as well as tons of free resources to help you on your financial independence journey, like my monthly newsletter, budgeting challenges, fun downloads, and more. Head over to asunnysideuplife.com to get started. And if you want to keep up with me in the day-to-day, don't forget to follow me on social media at a sunny side up life. Well, that's all for me this week. Bye guys.